start by being honest with ourselves. As a nation, for decades, we were perfectly happy to write off whole neighborhoods, whole cities, whole generations of young men and women. As long as it was an inner city problem, an urban problem, which is to say, a black people problem, a brown people problem. Send them to prison, into a system from which they'll never return. Maybe now, now that it's really come home to roost, now that it's the high school quarterback, your next door neighbor, your son, your daughter, now that grandma's as likely to be a junkie as anybody else, we'll accept that there has never been a real war on drugs. War on drugs implies an us versus them. And all over this part of America, people are learning there is no them. There is only us. And we're going to have to figure this out together. Good morning, Baltimore. My name is Zachary Leacock, and this is the Call Tyrone Show. Uh, Tyrone, he's uh, just stepping into the building now, but we'll begin the introductions. Um, on the line, we have Leroy Myers. How's it going, Leroy? Hey, what's going on, Zach? Yes, uh, and we are uh, very excited to be here, Baltimore. Um, on today's um, edition, we'll be talking about uh, the untimely demise of um, a great African-American musical cultural icon, um, you know, by the name of Prince. And, um, you know, some of the things that he's done inside of music and um, outside of music. So I think it'll be uh, very informative. Uh, uh, wouldn't you agree? Uh, yes, I would very much so. And, um, you know, I know that you, um, you know, even though you're of a younger age, I know that you um, have been a great Prince fan and that he's had a uh, great uh, impact um, on you. So um, right now what we'll do is we'll go ahead and uh, we'll get started uh, with a clip from Prince, um, you know, a song um, that he had called Go Crazy, which kind of foreshadowed uh, everything that uh, has just transpired in the past week. The afterworld. A world of never ending happiness. You can always see the sun. Day, day, or night. So when you call up that shrink in Beverly Hills, you know the one. Baltimore. My name is Tyrone Bose, owner of BPPW Heating Cooling, and welcome to our show, The Call Tyrone Show. And I'm here with my millennial co-host, my African-American history and cultural gangsters, Leroy Myers, graduate student and teaching assistant at the University of Oklahoma. His area of study is the dynamics of African-American and Native American history. Say hello, Leroy. Good afternoon, everybody. And as everybody knows... Uh, Leroy is currently in Oklahoma where he's uh, working on his master's, which you'll get next month, month by the way. He's on um, scheduled to get next month, and then he'll be working on his Ph.D. So we have a lot of talent here in the studio and uh, outside the studio in Oklahoma. There are people in Oklahoma listening to us even as we speak. 
And and my other millennial, uh, Zachary Leacock, who who led it in the intro uh, earlier, uh, who you, whose voice you just heard, uh, a social media entrepreneur who majored in audio production, radio, TV, and film at Howard, the Black Harvard. <laughs> he is a socially conscious vegan, or maybe Harvard is the, is the uh, white uh, <laughs> Howard. Okay, let's, let's get that right. Right. He's a socially conscious vegan and producer of the Channel Ten podcast, which features interviews with pioneering rap artists. So. As you surmise, we're going to be talking about the the um, the, uh, the artist. Uh, what well, I used to call him the artist formerly known as Prince, because he had uh, some contractual I- issues with Warner Brothers about his name rights, and uh, that's what happened to a lot of uh, a lot of our artists when they signed these deals early on. And Prince was a very young man, by the way, when he um, signed his deals. Like, like I've always said, we kind of give our youth a lot more credit than than you know sometimes than what we normally give them, because we have a lot of uh, young people. Prince, Michael Jackson, uh, that that actually excelled at a very a very early age. Prince could have cut a, a music deal when he was fifteen, but um, he felt like he wasn't ready, so he waited until he was eighteen and then more mature, and he finally uh, cut his first music deal with uh, Warner Brothers. So he was uh, either seventeen or eighteen when I think he was seventeen when he was on American Bandstand. But um, he was a very talented individual. Man could play uh, twenty seven instruments proficiently. You know his first five songs. Um, uh, his first five songs, he played all the instruments to those first five songs, and then he did a very good job. If you listen to those songs, those are some bad cuts, and that's why he's known as his royal badness. Okay, <laughs> because he was he was a hell of a, a entertainer, and he had he had many um, people that that influenced him. You had Sly and the Family Stone, uh, James Brown. Every, James Brown influenced everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, Michael Jackson, everything. My, even Michael Jackson. When he admitted that he was dancing, he learned to dance by watching James Brown dance, and he imitated James Brown's moves. And they were contemporaries, by the way. Michael Jackson and, and Prince were often in, in competition against each other. You know, she's going to be on top of the, the music industry. Um, he, Earth, Wind, and Fire was another one, and uh, George Clinton, of course. You know, George Clinton had a lot of influence on funk. If you if you ever got into funk music, you know, he he had a lot of uh, influence on a lot of people like Boosie Collins and the like. And so did James Brown. Uh, Boosie Collins actually was a guitar player for James Brown for, for a time. And um, uh, Carlos Santana, you know, the, the uh, Latino uh, 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 musician, the great Latino musician, uh, Jimi Hendrix, uh, and uh, several others. I mean, uh, a lot of excellent um, black and brown performers um, actually uh, influenced uh, Prince. And uh, as I said before, as a very young man, he was very proficient in several instruments. He was no one-trick pony. This man could, could could sing. He wrote songs for other artists, too. He could sing. He could dance. He could write songs. He could write music. And he could read music. And he understood, you know, how to play these instruments. And he was very good at it. He was excellent at it. He also played basketball, by the way, in <laughs> uh, junior middle school. Uh, I think I read somewhere we, he played basketball in high school. Not sure about that. But Prince was 5'2", by the way. And um, his uh, the fact that he performed... Um, um, and the high heel shoes. He used to wear like four inch heels. And the fact that he performed in, in, the, in those four inch uh, heels uh, actually put a toll on his body by the time he was 57. And, and, and um, he had, I believe he had hip surgery and uh, he had to take uh, painkillers. And that's what, you know, we've been talking about lately on the show about how a lot of people have been taking painkillers and were prescribed these opioids by doctors when they, when they were all the rage. And they ended up, you know, becoming addicted to drugs. Now, I'm not saying Prince was addicted to drugs. Don't, don't. Uh, I'm not putting that out there. But I do believe he died from, from uh, overdose of opioids. 
Okay, I know people don't want to hear that, you know, and, and I probably get a lot, you know, a lot of bad, you know, angry calls. But you gotta look at the facts. The official report was that he died from the flu. Okay, he died from the flu. <laughs> okay, but but just before he died, he had to land his, his plane. They had to have an emergency landing, and um, they, he had to get the drugs that bring you back from um, overdose. Is there's a drug that they give you that they give you that actually brings you reverses the effects of it of an overdose. And they had to land his private plane and give him that, you know, a few days before he died. And then he was found, you know, unresponsive in, in the elevator, you know, as, as a state. Um, Zach? Um, yes. Um, in, in regards to his death, um, you know, um, it it is kind of uh, extremely tragic that, that his passing was due to, you know, what we've been talking about these past few weeks of uh, opioids. Um, and in regards to his life, uh, he definitely broke down uh, many barriers in music. And uh, he was a genius, not only with the, mu- uh, the uh, musicianship, but also uh, when it came to business. Um, he laid the blueprint for um, a lot of artists to come for years. And in addition, um, he was very adaptable. So when something wasn't working for him, he was able to learn and change his style and evolve. Um, so it's definitely um, a great loss, but um, he's he's not really gone because um, you know he has a legacy that's that's going to stay with us forever. Right, Leroy, you have anything to add? Uh, yeah. So um, you know, uh, you know, even outside of uh, his uh, his uh, his pill use and maybe other drugs of the like um, in his time, you know, also you know he was a, a really hard worker in that you know he uh, he barely slept. Uh, he would do 40-hour 40-hour uh, studio sessions. Um, you know, he, he just had a mass a mass catalog of music. And with that being said, this is something that um, I think can be said about any and all and every icon that we do see that and that and that we have had throughout the world is the fact that they do kind of take on I would say this kind of uh, re- religious mystique in that they kind of sacrifice their bodies. For the what for the rest of you know the the masses you know whether it's through drug use or whatever it is to really sacrifice and and, and have this kind of creative creative output to share with the world and I think that's what Prince did Michael Jackson uh, James Brown can go down uh, down the list with uh, these kinds of people okay and and we're gonna talk about other things besides Prince but for now uh, we're gonna um, uh, dedicate some time to Prince because he was a genius he was he was a black man you know he was a genius. And um, he uh, pioneered a lot of pioneering music, a lot of awards. So for now, and I know we got callers, but for now, what we're going to do before we get to the caller, we're going to see what Stevie Wonder had to say about Prince. So we're going to listen. Well, all the various people he would bring together, and most of all, he brought all the various cultures together. Um, he could play classical music if he wanted to. He could play jazz if he wanted to. He could play country if he wanted to. He played rock. You know, he played blues, he played pop, he played you know, everything. He was just a great musician and um, very cognizant of what his responsibility was as a musician and a human being. Today I was watching a recording of a concert that you did in Paris back in 2010. You were performing Superstition. Prince was accompanying you on the guitar. And what I think gets lost sometimes about Prince is, I mean, he wasn't just great you know, songwriter. He was a stellar guitar player, and it wasn't just guitar. He played nearly all the instruments on all on his first five albums. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, it's amazing, and you know, it, it, it's fun to do that because basically you're going inside yourself, and you you're really giving people every single part of 
what you feel. It's what your soul is saying. This is how I want this to be played. And fortunately, I can play it and express myself. It's like an artist painting a picture. It was uh, his team. He was 17, 18 years old. There was no question. And the, the first from the very first album where he looked at the credits and there, it was his name and then everything on the album was him. Written by Prince, produced by Prince, yeah. drums by Prince, guitar and by arrangement. Yeah. And every, every musical instrument. All right, but as you can see, this man... As you all can see, this man was a genius. He was a genius. He could play classical music, classical music. You know, he could play uh, soul, funk, whatever, rock and roll, pop. His crossover artists, too. Uh, white folks loved him. Uh, black folks loved him. Brown folks loved him. Chinese loved him. You know, he, he appealed to all ethnicities. Uh, he, the man was so talented. Because music, good music is timeless, by the way. And you can still listen to some of that music that Prince made back in the 80s, where he, was, he had his heyday in the, in the late uh, 70s. And you can still get enjoyment by watching that music. I mean, we're listening to that music. We're even watching his videos because he's very uh, prolific. He's very uh, excellent dancer too, by the way. Excellent performer, a performer extraordinary. Not a one-trick pony at all. Man had plenty, many, many, many skills. Um, let's go to the next caller, and then we'll talk about some of the skills. Okay, we're going to go to Mike, and if you want to call Tyrone and join in the conversation, you can go ahead and call four one zero four eight one ten ten. Mike, how's it going this afternoon? How's it going, Mike? Hello, Mike. Okay, seems like we lost Mike. Okay, Mike, call back if you can, you know, uh, but we're, we're going to drive on. Um, okay, now let's go to uh, some of the um, uh, the many skills of Prince, and then we'll talk about uh, Prince's business acumen. Extraordinary. And I used to say this, and I represented Michael Jackson, I represented Stevie Wonder, I represented many, many, many artists. I would say this over and over. If you took all of the elements, the elements of performing, writing songs, singing, being a musician, no one has the aggregate mix of Prince ever. And I want to say that without just seeming like I'm, I'm in warning and just overhyping it. Not even close. No one comes close to being able to dance, sing, produce, write, us, uh, play instruments, all of the instruments, and then at the same time want to run his business and want to connect with people. And he was funny. And he knew how to play basketball, bowl. You never wanted to go bowling with French and we're going to lose. <laughs> One of the things that wouldn't pop to mind in terms of his degree of excellence. Because the boots make it hard. The boots make it hard. The hair would make it hard. Ruffles can get in the way, too, let's be honest. Okay, they had they had jokes. Okay, they had jokes about at, at Prince's expense. But, you know, they, they you know, people people realize, you know, genes when they see it. And they, they know they can't do any of those things, you know, or most of them anyway. They know they can't play, play 27 instruments. They know that. People recognize talent. When they when they see it, and and, and um, Prince was probably one of the um, most underestimated artists of our, of our time. Um, so let's uh, let's let's talk about Prince as a businessman. The, the business history of music is just littered with these examples of people who just got screwed by music companies, record companies, not him, not him. He was a business-minded performer. He kept a tight grip on his music and his brand, even from the very beginning. TwinCities.com dug up an article from the September 1st, 1977 issue of the St. Paul Dispatch. Carol, look at this. Oh, here it is. A just-turned-18-year-old Minneapolis youth has signed a six-figure rec recording contract with Warner Brothers. 
Known only as Prince, the youth is reputed to have signed one of the largest contracts ever for a new act. The article goes on to say that A&M Records in Columbia were also interested in signing him, and, and that early ambition uh, was really correct here. Here he is on American Bandstand, just 19 years old. Please watch this. It is amazing. Keen. That was the first time America really saw him. And he went on to this Hall of Fame career, 16 platinum albums. The industry certification, of course, for a, a, a million copies uh, is, a, is a platinum album. 16 of them, seven Grammy Awards, an Academy Award for Best Song for Purple Rain. And he's back on top of the charts again right now. Here are the top five songs in iTunes at the moment. Purple Rain is number one. Has been since yesterday. The entire top ten now, Carolus Prince songs. But you won't be able to stream his music today unless you have a subscription to Tidal. That's the service Jay-Z created. Prince pulled his music from other streaming services, an exclusive deal with Tidal he struck instead. He also struck a deal back in 2014 to buy back his entire catalog from Warner Brothers and sign a new contract at the same time. This guy is a legendary musician, an artist, an innovator, but a keen businessman and entrepreneur too. Really, along the way, he had an eye on the business the whole time. And he had that huge giant studio in Minneapolis. Yeah, and he was a hometown, you know, hometown guy. He didn't, you know, pick up and buy a big ranch out, you know, in LA. He stayed right there and built that whole music presence, you know, the Minneapolis sound, the whole music presence uh, in Minneapolis. So a really interesting businessman from the start. And what's so interesting when you watch that clip from American Bandstand, Dick Clark uh, is completely enamored with him. He says that when he was 15 or 16, he had a couple of record deals already and he, he didn't want to do them. He wanted to wait, wait until he was a little bit more seasoned. This is the seasoned, this is the seasoned prince at 19. And you can already see what, you know, look at the, the confidence and the style already at 19. Okay. Okay, we're going to go ahead and, and uh, take call. But as you can see, this band was very talented, very talented individual. Okay, we're going to go to Don. How's it going, Don? Good afternoon. Hey, good evening, Jim. Hey, how's it going, Don? Hey. You know, growing up, man, I wasn't necessarily a Prince fan, but now that I've, I've heard about all the things he's accomplished, man, I, I've become a fan, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> you got to respect. You got Once you understand the depth, you know, of, of Prince. He looks, you know, at first glance, people underestimate him. Like I said, the man's 5'2", and, um, you know, he's very unassuming, and he has a low voice and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, he's got, you know, he kind of presents himself as, as an offensive individual. But barring all that, the man is still a genius. You know, you can't, you got to give, um, you got to give uh, props what props is due and give many people credit what credit is due. I'm sorry, go ahead. Just think about it, man, the dedication it would take to be able to accomplish I mean, I know the man was a genius, but 27 instru instruments, right music, old music. I mean, yeah. come on. He's a bad man. I, I, like like the clip that you just said, he was ready for record deals when he was 15. When he was 15 years old. What was we doing when we were 15? You right. Know? right. And, and, and being a baller, too? How do you do that? Who right. does that? <laughs> yeah, you're playing sports, and you still got time to write music. And um, he wanted, well, he's wise enough to wait, you know, until he was he was an adult. Before you start cutting record deals. Another, another interesting thing I, I found out: uh, hit one of his uh, uh, co-stars, or I think she was a member of his band, Vanity. Right, right. She also uh, died at, at, at fifty-seven, right? Yeah, she's dead too. Yeah, I know she's passed. Yeah, yeah I heard she died in January. What was it, Leroy? I'm sorry. I believe she passed away in January. Yeah, she was. Um, she. Uh, God, which one? Um. I think she replaced Apollonia in the movie. Uh, I think Apollonia was supposed to play in the movie, and then Vanity came along and re actually replaced her. Oh, 
Okay. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Or, yeah, but I mean, we can definitely take a page out of his book, man. I mean... Yeah, that's excellence. That's that's what we all should strive for, excellence in, in everything. You know what I'm saying? And that's what that was his, his he was a perfectionist. Absolutely. And, yeah, and that's that's what he sought, perfection. Yeah. You know, a lot of hard work to get the cheap of perfection. And that's probably what led to, um, you know, his hips giving up and all that kind of stuff. You know, all that oh. jumping around and, you know, jumping off the stage and trying to, trying to, trying to put on a good show, you know. And you mentioned the four-inch heels. They said six-inch heels. That's <laughs> Look, I didn't measure them. I didn't, no, I didn't measure them. It might have been six-inch heels, but that would have made them, what, five-eight, you know, in, in heels. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, to, to um, you know, and then especially wear stuff that no other man on the planet could wear and get away with. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And he looked good in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess he did. You know, his fans seemed, seemed to... Uh, to like him, but he took a lot. Of, like I said, he had a lot of influence from people like Jackie Wilson, and and uh, you can see a little bit of Rich, little Richard there, and all, all yeah, that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, James Brown actually bought uh, both Prince when they were just coming out, and they came out at the same time. And little Michael Jackson, as he matured, James Brown actually brought them up on stage with him. You know, there's there's a um, there's a clip of James Brown, Prince, and wow. Michael Jackson on stage at the same time. Because what happened was James Brown, they, Michael Jackson, and Prince were at a James Brown concert, right? And, um, James Brown saw Michael Jackson in the audience. He needed a family. So he said, hey, come on. That's a little Michael Jackson. Come on up. So Michael Jackson comes up and, and sings a little soul. And then he starts breaks into a dance. You know, and everybody's like, wow. They, you know, and he, he kind of put James Brown, made James Brown step back and look. And <laughs> James Brown shook his ear and hugged him, right? And then he told James Brown in his ear, he said, um, Prince is out, you know, out in the audience. And James Brown said, who? You know, he said, Prince. And he said, okay, you come know, on up, Prince. And Prince came up and did this thing, you know. You know what's so crazy about all this? Yeah, what's that, Don? Seems like it seems like every time a famous artist dies, they become more more profitable dead than alive. Um, absolutely, and he, actually, his estate is worth three hundred million dollars. But this record, he doesn't have any any um any heirs. But his right. records are probably worth a lot more than that. He's a vault with um enough music to make one hundred fifty albums, and they haven't been published yet. Nobody's ever seen this music. And, and um, yeah, so his, he's worth a lot of money. And the thing you were saying about 1957, right? Prince is a seven. If anybody's ever been, in, anybody knows anything about numerology, and I'm not a numerologist, but I know people who who were and have done numerology. Right. Seven is the perfect number, okay? And uh, Prince was born, I think, June the seventh. Um, uh, God, I forget what year, but he's joined he, maybe 1958. But he was June. He was born June the seventh, which is the perfect wow. is the perfect number, and. Uh, and he died at the age of fifty-seven. Wow! You see, you see what I'm saying? And then, oh yeah, yeah. So there's so many sevens uh, associated with Prince, and that symbol that when when he lost his name, the rights to his name, right, due to contractual um, um, obligations or whatever, Warner Brothers disputes and all that. That symbol is actually a seven. Uh, the glip, what they call a glip, is is a common. It's not only is it a seven. It's a combination between the male and female sex symbol. So you can read whatever you want. To do that. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna touch that one, but. But um, there was some meaning behind that symbol, and he said that it's unpronounceable, and you can't pronounce it on this level of existence. And that's why, you know, it is the symbol, and that is my name. That's some amazing facts. Yeah. Yeah, Prince is a, and once you, once you start to understand some of these artists, you understand, you know, where they, you know, why they're geniuses, you know? But just just uh, cursory look at them, that's not going to tell you much about them, you know? Right, Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank right, you so Don, much for you. your comment. We really appreciate it. Yeah, and and by the way, we're gonna talk about some other things, but but like I said, the man, 
you know, has passed, uh, Princess passed, and and uh, we got to give, you know, we got to give our respect we're, and and give people uh, credit where credit is due. Uh, and Prince, by the way, he got his he got his um, name from his father, uh, Prince Rogers, uh, who had a band, the Prince Rogers uh, Trio, and and that's where that's where he got that was his name. That was his real name. His real name was Prince. That was his, his birth name, and um, that's what really incensed him the most about Warner Brothers trying to steal. You know the the uh, copyrights to his name and his music and all that, and he he felt like um, he, he said he, he said felt like he had to set the standard for the industry because he said there's no way the music industry should be able to control you like that. You know you're a little more than a slave to you know if they can just use your music, use your name, tell you you can't use your own name. You know when you when you're performing. So again, oh yeah, his mother was a jazz singer too. So he had you know he, he had you know they ran the family as far as uh, performing and, and all that stuff. Uh, Zach? Um, I was going to say, um, you know, Prince, he was, um, you know, very knowledgeable on many topics. And, um, you know, just because, you know, you see this um, androgynous man um, and, you know, his uh, lyrics were very uh, sexually suggestive. Um, you know, one point is that a lot of people um, overlook his musicianship. So I would definitely um, advise to go on YouTube and look at some of his guitar solos because there's a lot of artists um, who are renowned for their guitar solos, especially like a lot of uh, rock musicians. But I don't think Prince uh, gets that um, that honor um, as much as he should. And then when it comes to his lyrics, um, there's a lot of uh, hidden meaning in some of his lyrics as well. So when you uh, speak about the glyph and um, it being the symbol for a man and a woman, if you look at his song, um, I Would Die For You from uh, Purple Rain, he says, um, I'm not a woman, I'm not a man, I'm something <laughs> that you'll never understand. And then he goes on to say that, um, you know, I would die for you. And if you really look at the lyrics, I mean, he goes down and says, I'm your Messiah and you're the reason why. Um, it's actually a song, you know, you know, speaking about, um, you know, you know, uh, the concept of Jesus and the Messiah and about not being a man or a woman, but something that you wouldn't understand. Um, but, you know, just a cursory listen to the lyrics. You know, it, it seems like it's saying one thing, but when you really analyze it, it's saying something else. And I think a lot of his music was like that. Um, and if yeah, you he, had a, he had another one called The Star. And uh, Prince was a Jehovah's Witness, by the way. I know mm -hmm. it's hard to believe it. he was Jehovah's Witness. And now that, that depicted uh, Jesus on the cross and he was sh showing... And when he did the uh, video, he was showing how Jesus was actually hung on the cross because the Jehovah's Witnesses believe, whether you want to believe this or not, they believe that uh, Jesus was hung on a stake, not a cross. So when he made that symbol of, of Jesus on the cross, he tried to depict the true way that Jesus was crucified. I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, yeah, and I was just going to say that, you know, um, you know, you know, like a lot of his uh, symbols and music, uh, there's a lot of deeper meaning behind it. Um, and, you know, he was really into, um, you know, everything that was going in, um, going on in the world and into ancient Egypt and, you know, just a lot of um, uh, history. So, um, you know, his lyrics, it may seem, um, you know, like one thing um, at first, but really, you know, look yeah, into what look he was into about. It, it's, it gets deep. Some right. of that stuff does get deep. You know, I don't agree with a lot of that stuff, but, uh, you know, it. It's it's on a um a very deep level that a lot of people you know if you're out there party you're not really thinking like that but if right. you're sitting back trying to absorb the true meaning of some of those songs and he uh, um, a lot to be gained from it uh, let's talk about economics and charity and then okay. uh, principal economics and charity that's when he would call you if something was wrong when things were down that's when your phone is going to ring that's when Prince is going to reach out to you he's going to figure out how he can help you when you're down and not just me there's there's celebrities and other people and little people around the world i never forget my plane landed one time i was on a plane landed 
phone rings. There's something that happened in some city, some place he thought was terrible. And he, I guess he thought I was, could, could teleport places. You know, what's going on there? How can we help? He would send money. You know, he, he when people were hurting, he was just, you, you, can, you, you can't explain the compassion that he would have. And he would push us and push us, go there, help those people, call them, find out what's going on. When the Black Lives Matter came out, you know, he understood those kids. And because when he was a kid, he was a rebel as a musician. And his big prayer was, he said, I hope those kids can become an economic force. Let them take that creativity, create jobs, create businesses, create apps, create, use that energy for creativity. But he loved Alicia Garza from Black Lives Matter. Uh, I, 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 I don't mean to just filibuster, but I just want you to know, he's not just a musician. There was a genius there that had to be expressed through music, but it was expressed so many different ways. And this is a very, he was so on, he watched CNN. I'd be afraid to come off the air sometimes because he'd give me notes and criticisms and it'd be brutal, but you'd be right. This is a man who knew what was going on in the world, who was a, an influential musician, but behind the scenes, he was influential socially as humanitarian as well. Okay, so as, as you as you heard, that Prince was more than just um, uh, self-centered. He had other things in life that he concerned himself uh, with. And by the way, one of his last performances was at Baltimore. He had a live uh, live concert at Baltimore in, in uh, reference to uh, the riots and the Freddie Gray killing. So let's let's go ahead, and, before we do the commercial, let's go to uh, Chris at the Baltimore live concert. Without a song Nothing can stop these alone From falling Tell me baby Yeah, that was at uh, Prince's Baltimore concert, and um, he actually came, took time out of his busy schedule and time for making money, came to Baltimore and did a concert, you know, to try to bring peace to the city or whatever he felt that that accomplished. And I, I believe uh, Marilyn Mosby actually got in trouble. He called up on the stage and all that, and, uh, um, you know, and they took their family up on the stage. I didn't have a problem with it personally because I, I probably would have done the same thing if, if, you know, I had my family there. And she's entitled to be a civilian, you know, when she's off duty, you know. So, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to um, we're going to start about some local issues, but for now, we're going to go to the commercial break. Did your air conditioning go bust this summer, or do you need a new furnace for the coming winter? I think you better call Tyrone. Those 
other companies tried to reduce my family's bank account to zero. But when we called Tyrone, he became our hero. Hello, this is Tyrone, owner of BPPW, telling you don't be overcharged for your air conditioning and heating installations. BPPW can install a new furnace, heat pump, or air conditioning system at very reasonable rates. Don't wait until icicles are hanging off your nose this winter. Call BPPW now at 410-978-6889. We currently offer a 10-year warranty on parts and labor and a lifetime warranty on compressors for air conditioning and heat pump installations. You may qualify for a 30% tax rebate on some installations. So, before you go with the other guys, call Tyrone now at 410-978-6889. Okay, okay, and now we're gonna um start talking about some uh and by the way if you wanna call if you wanna call in and uh participate in this uh, discussion, the number is four one zero four eight one ten ten. Four one zero four eight one ten ten. So if if you want to uh, participate, we welcome your uh input and uh as I said, um we would um be quite happy to have your uh entry into this discussion. Um, the other thing that we wanted to talk about is, um, by the way, uh, Danny Glover, uh, was, the actor, was in Baltimore yesterday. A lot of people don't realize this. They had a um, rally in Baltimore. It uh, it was in recognition of the a- the anniversary of Freddie Gray's uh, oh the riots, the Freddie Gray riots, which uh, started. April 27th, I believe, the riots was, was when the riots started. I believe he died on April 12th, but the riots, I believe, um, began on April 27th. But since people are off on a, on a Sunday, it's more easy to have rallies nowadays for black folk. You know, let's just keep it let's keep it real on, on, on a weekend when they don't have to miss work. Back in the past, people would actually take out work for protests. But, you know, now, now anymore, if you expect large, large numbers of people, it has to be on the weekend because nobody's willing to sacrifice the way they were. Not everybody. Some people, some people are. But, um... The uh, let's uh, let's uh, s- listen to what happened at the rally uh, with uh, Danny Glover. A year after the death of Freddie Gray, gone are the cries to shut the city down. At the epicenter of the civil unrest, Pennsylvania and North Avenues, a rally call for unity. Demos, ordinary citizens. That's the only way we're going to change this. Ordinary citizens. And ordinary citizens from all faith-based, ordinary citizens from the streets, ordinary citizens who are working, ordinary citizens out here today in memory of Freddie Gray. I appreciate everyone coming out here that support Freddie Gray, that's with the the justice and the campaign for Freddie Gray. But will a march lead to any change? It brings awareness to it. Pastor Jamal Bryan says awareness leads to accountability. If it were not for the uprising, I feel very confident that the mayor would have run again. If it weren't for the uprising, we would have had the same police chief. Uh, But because of the uprising, uh, things that we've tried to, in fact, sweep under the rug, are in full display and are going to have to be addressed. Many candidates for city offices were in the crowd, including Sheila Dixon and Catherine Pugh, who are leading the mayoral race. And I'm hoping and praying that whatever mayor takes office keeps that up front. 
what happened or what they hear, like the cries of the people. In front of the Freddie Gray Center, the crowd held hands, prayed for Baltimore. God will elect the people he knows. And left with hope for the future. Okay. <laughs> If you were at the rally yesterday, you would have got a chance to see all your favorite politicians, and and also you would have uh, been able to see the, the Reverend uh, Jamal Bryant, if you know that's what you were down there to see. Uh, but um, um, also Danny Glover, Danny um, Danny Glover was down there, the actor Danny Glover, he was there as well, and that was the first um, voice you heard in that clip. That was Danny Glover's voice, and uh, he's very active in social issues, which I respect. You know, besides being a rich actor, he's interested in other things besides his his own uh, self um, interest. Okay, now <clears throat> there's something I wanted to share with you. Is from the Sun. Is is they still haven't figured out who shut down the buses? You know, because one the thing one of the things that happened on the 27th was the buses were shut down. That's why I remember that the rides uh, started on the 27th because the buses were actually sh- uh, shut down um, at Monument, and then. Uh, This is what they have to say in the sun. It says, a year later, despite emails and other records, no one can say who gave the order. It's a legal question that has yet to be fully answered a year later. Who shut down bus service at Mondawmin Mall, a transit hub students used to get home after school on April the 27th? With the city on the edge of a week of largely peaceful protests, largely, I'm going to say it again, largely peaceful protests, protests i think somebody got hit with a bottle down at the uh, stadium you know the, the uh, spectators you know some of the some of the uh some of our white brothers who were spectators actually hit somebody in the head with beer cans and all kinds of stuff if you were there but they they everybody seems to be denying that so there was it wasn't as quite peaceful you know because uh the uh, i don't think a lot of march got the respect that was due them they were they were engaged in peaceful uh, protests with the city on the edge after a week of largely peaceful protests following freddie gray's death from injuries suffered in police custody Police gathered at the Northwest Baltimore Mall, talking about Mondawmin, based on reports of a possible disturbance as students poured out of school the day of his funeral. The, sp- the situation spiraled out of control as rocks and bricks were thrown, leading to a night of rioting, looting, and arson. Now, before the rocks and th- bricks were thrown, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not condoning throwing rocks and bricks. I'm not condoning rioting. But before all that happened, the police decided, and nobody could still figure out who gave the order, to shut down the doggone buses so the kids couldn't disperse and go about their business. So, I mean, I guess the person who did that, they know who they are, and they know that they're going to be in a lot of trouble when somebody finds out who did it. They probably get fired from their job. Nobody's going to step forward for that because they know that, in effect, is probably what started the riots. You know, it, you, a lot of times we think things, you know, the kids were just out of control and they rioting. You know, th- maybe they, we, anybody ever come to the assumption that maybe they just couldn't get home and they were, they were pissed off. Nobody was going to stand up for them. They knew the adults weren't going to stand up for them. They knew we weren't going to stand up for them, so they took matters into their own hands. And here the adults come later, the politicians and everybody else, to post themselves out in front as leaders. All the ministers and, and all these freaking politicians that were doing nothing for those kids before, they put themselves out in front as leaders of the, uh, you know, of, of, of the disturbance and trying to trying to find peace or whatever. That stuff should have happened before the riots, people. It should have happened before the riots. There's things that need that we need to do. To stop the riot should have happened before the riots. The only good thing about those riots is nobody was killed. Okay? Nobody was killed. And, and as I've said before, the, wire, the Watts riots, I think 34 people were killed. The Rodney King riots is, is a lot more than that. You know, so the Baltimore riots, nobody killed. So I don't have a problem with the way the mayor ran. 
did the riot. A lot of people do, but what do you expect? What do you, what do you want her to do? Kill kids? High school kill kids? Shoot them? Hit them in the head with sticks? Sick a dog on them? You know, and that's our main problem. We don't understand that, you know, we need the same uh, courtesies extended to other kids of other ethnic groups extended to ours. Um, let's take the next call. Okay, we're going to go to Mark. How's it going, Mark? Hey, hey how Mark. y'all doing, guys? Doing all right, all right, Mark. I was, I was looking, I was listening to y'all, and um, you know the uh, uh, Prince man. You know, um, I grew up listening to. You know, well, I ain't grow up, but I, I was already grown. You <laughs> was out there at the club, music. right? <laughs> and sign of the times, man. I, I don't know if y'all remember the sign of the times song. Yeah, I remember. That's that was brilliant. Uh, I mean, that was just so ahead of his time. Uh, he wrote that almost 30 years ago, and he was just hitting everything, AIDS and drugs and violence and all that. And, and, and you was dancing to it at the same time. Right, right. That's what we were hitting on. We were, we were saying that um, a lot of the songs had a, had a meeting on a, on a different level that most uh -huh. people that were dancing to this music didn't even get. They were just right, enjoying the music, right. you know, as for at face value. But when yeah. you look into those songs, there's, there's actually a lot of wisdom in some of those songs. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, and you know what, Tyrone, if, um, you know, just speaking about music, I'm um, just throwing this out. There's a little group called the Y22 from the Nile. They're, they're young, a young group, um, right. a young group of youngsters um, that, that, that uh, uh, I met down in, uh, down in the Giants one time and, uh, they do music and stuff like that, and they got a Trayvon uh, video on their website. Not only that, they got a letter to Little Wayne video. Well, the problem with that, the problem with that, uh, um, Mark, it sounds excellent. The problem with that is in our, in today's market, the positive um, artists they don't get any playtime, and I, I'm pretty sure Zach can attest to that. That no, a lot of the, the the positive not, artists, not so much artists. I'm saying they they're like a little young organization of, of talented kids and they do videos you know right just, right uh, they're artists they're artists yeah 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 yeah, yeah. but i'm you know I'm but they're positive what i'm saying is they what i'm saying is they're positive the positive yeah. artists aren't getting playtime, and then it's hard for them zach you want to speak to that yeah, um, <laughs> Zach's been in that in that genre. So yeah, I was he, gonna say, um, you know, um, a lot of times it's it's the more ignorant music that does uh, shine through, and even uh, you know, Jay Z has even spoken about this uh, when he said, you know, I used to, um, you know, want to rhyme like Common Sense, but I sold five mil, and I haven't rapped like Common Sense. And for people who don't know, Common is you know a um, a well renowned uh, conscious uh, rapper, but you know now he's more known for his acting credentials um, than actually you know his lyrical um his lyrical output um whereas jay-z you know he's known for his lyrical output and his business acumen but his his uh lyrics um you know while good on the surface level um you know he's had a lot of um not so conscious uh songs that have been you know put out there the most right the music execs they actually want that negative music put out to our kids and by they the way do. They yeah do. And but guess who won the Oscar? Uh, Glory, Glory won an Oscar, Common and uh, uh right, right, that. right. But that's that was so phenomenal. The movie was so phenomenal. <laughs> you know, sometimes ours are so phenomenal they they do shine through. But what I'm saying is this is by design. And yeah, as a matter of fact, absolutely. when Michael, speaking of music, when Michael Jackson sung some bad words about a certain ethnic group, they made uh -huh. him go and take that music. They made him go change the lyrics of one of his songs. Absolutely. A lot of people don't remember that. You were talking about those kids, and, and you know Tyrone Sunday. At uh, 5 o'clock on 1010, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about progressive gospel versus uh, negative hip-hop. But you were talking about them kids, man. I was a teacher's aide. And, um, you know, they should have had, um, what they should have had is they should have had a, um, 
uh, assembly, you know, talk to those kids. If y'all want to do something, you know, uh, we'll, we'll have, you know, let y'all walk up, you know, march up and get it, you know, peacefully and get on your buses or whatever. But like you said, some knucklehead gave that order to, to shut down because one of the kids was on Larry Young and he said, we wanted to do something, but we didn't know what to do. And then they got up there and they had shut the, uh, transportation down. Right. Not only that, not only did they shut it down, it not only did they shut it down, they went on some of the buses and made some of the kids get off. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> this is stupidity. Okay, you so, asked for a ride. I mean, you know, we'll probably never find right. out who that knucklehead yeah, was. No, they won't, because they know, to, I still believe to this day that's what ignited that riot. And then, it, it did. Yeah. It, it did, and then everybody, you know, other folk took it to a new level. Right, exactly. I, I, was, I was saying, and I was, I, was, I was joking, and I wasn't joking, back in the day when I was me and my boys was caught up in a dick. You, uh, you don't have to conclude, Mark. We got some more. We, the same Mark, the boys are lit. Uh, Tyrone. And it wouldn't have had nothing to do with Freddie Gray. More mm -hmm. quickly, Mark, the boys are uh, lit, but real quick, I'm going to let you know something. You asked me the other week, and I, I meant to get back with you about it. You was asking me about Selma, and then we'll go to the other colors. We, well, you asked me about Selma, and you asked me if, if uh, Malcolm X died. That uh -huh. Selma, Dr. King was in jail on in February. He was arrested February the 1st. Uh-huh. Malcolm X was assassinated. February twenty first of that same year, uh -huh. so it was a few days later after he visited yeah. uh, Dr. King in jail, but he couldn't he couldn't reach Dr. King. He had to visit him. He was best regards to his wife. Man, y'all got Scott a King. great show, yeah. man. I know y'all got other callers. Y'all have a blessed day. You too. Like I said, Sunday at five o'clock on ten ten, man. If y'all listening, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, progressive hip hop. I mean, progressive uh, like gospel show. Um, versus uh, negative hip hop. All right, Mark. Call so, call right. next Take week. Care. All right, Thank sir. You. All right. Next, okay, next up, we're going to go to Tommy. How's it going, Tommy? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How is it, everyone? All right. All fantastic. Right. How are you, Tommy? Well, I was one of the guys that tried to jump on a train, and the train went straight to John Hopkins from Owens Mills or Park Heights. So wow. I understand exactly what, what that was. Also, what what was it? <laughs> I mean, I don't know who who who, told, who said the trains, but the trains just didn't stop. It went all the way to John Hopkins. Wow. Also, wow. So we got witnesses. I, <laughs> yes, sir. Also, I know yeah. Freddie Gray. I okay. used to talk to Freddie Gray okay. about these same type of things. I know the guy that actually took the pictures. I have his phone number. He's a good friend of mine. Right, right. And what, what, what I'm saying to you is there's a disconnect between the younger generation. And the older generation. Probably, yep. You're right. And 40. You're right. I mean, I agree. Extreme, I agree. Extreme, extreme. I, I absolutely yes, agree. I'm over 40 and I know it. I'm talking to, to older people and, uh -huh. and talking to younger people. There's a total. These old, these old people don't have a clue what's going on with these young people. They don't. Hey, and when hey, they ask somebody something about Freddie Gray, what they do is get the valedictorian of the goddamn high school and ask the valedictorian of the class about Freddie Gray. If you want to know about Freddie Gray, you got to ask the Freddie Grays the world about Freddie Gray. That guy don't have they, a clue either. Absolutely. Or they can ask me. Right. The reason Somebody's why I the reason why I gravitated towards this radio station is because the mentality is because of the mentality that I have. I had this mentality for 20 years, trying to uh, be positive and so on. I used to actually talk to Freddie Gray himself about these type of things. Right. You right. understand what I'm and, saying? Right. And he turns and up, it, you know, being a victim and, and, of it. The same thing you always discuss. Another point. The, the, the disconnect is extreme. Okay. Black politicians, right? And, and black leaders, right? They're saying, don't burn the city. Don't burn. If they wouldn't have did anything, what, what do you think would have happened? <laughs> what, what would have happened was it would have been the same thing same, yep. nobody would have got locked up and so on and so forth I encourage the young I'm not encouraging anybody to burn the city but what I'm saying is 
think for yourself, younger generation, a lot of these black right. politicians and powerful right. they've black made people, it. They made it. A lot of these older people have made it. They don't give a damn about these young people, apparently, because they don't. They don't. They can't understand. They take. They, they can't understand the poverty some of these young kids live. Oh, I grew up poor too. No, you didn't have a drug addicted mother. You didn't have a mother on crack. All right. That was absolutely. the 50s when you grew up. It was a different era. You didn't have freaking drug cartels in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Okay, so don't absolutely. tell me you went through that stuff. I know you I did. Mean, I actually heard a host on this radio program saying he never really got pulled over by the police, a black man. That's that's kind of older. I'm like, you don't live in my world. Right. The, young, the younger generation is living a totally different life from a lot of the older generation. Right, and that's so why they can't understand... These, these young people are fed up with being treated like animals and pulled over based on a curb. The older people don't get it because they're not treated like that. These young people, these young poor people have no political clout. That's why they're treated that way. They're targeted. Exactly. And even on these, the radio station on 1010M, for some reason, I don't hear any younger voices like I need to because we're the ones suffering from all this kind of stuff. Right. More right. Than Exactly. More on drugs and all that. And I was going to say, Absolutely. if you... Um, so, if, Oh, I'm sorry. If you ever go to uh, Mondawmin around the time when the kids get out of school on a regular day, especially before that incident, we got, we uh, got the, a lot of calls. Okay, the police are very uh, disrespectful to the kids. So you shut down the uh, the uh, the uh, buses, and then you have a lot of disrespect hurled at the kids, and you know it's 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 definitely going to make an explosion. And an older person who hasn't been there will not right. understand. They won't even get it. They'll go right Listen. over their head. Listen, oh, these young people. Kids are absolutely, yeah, go absolutely, my, absolutely, my brother. We are under pressure. The, the younger generation, we are suffering more. I mean, it's war. I, I tell you what, we're not as we're not getting as much. Uh, we're not getting as locked up as much as as they, uh, harassed like we used to do. So thank God for Freddie Gray. That brother didn't even know that his life would mean this much to the city, man. Thank you very much, Glad my to say. brother. Yeah. And God bless. Right, we got to move. So Thanks much. for calling. Call next week, all right, sir? Okay, no problem, brother. All right. Okay, next up on the line, we have Ernest. How's it going, Ernest? Hey, how y'all doing? Doing all right. Uh, all right. First, first of all, I want to, you know, just just give a shout out to uh, Jamal Bryan for uh, taking a stand, you know, for support for the family because uh, we, you know, at the congregation, we we plan this for a minute to, um, you know, show support to the family. So the family was also there to to show awareness to the to our system uh, that you know l- l- let's be balanced in a sense of so many people got locked up for the riots, but NAB police so far has been, you know, reprimanded, you know, for for the un uh how can I say it, for the for the unanswered questions that this young man died in their custody, you know? That's because they know they get away with it, sir. That's what the Ernest I'm, I'm sorry, what now? That's because they know they can get away with it, Ernest. Well they don't and, have and to answer any questions. And, and Tyrone, you know, and, and, and that's the thing, you know, I mean it's like okay, but when when some of the leaders stand up, you know, other other critics, you know, say, oh, they looking for, you know, for uh, a Photoshop or things of that nature. But you know, some of us are taking a stand, not not for madness, but for justice. Y'all have right. a good evening. Right. Thank you, sir. Thanks for calling. Us. Yeah. Nobody's saying that we condone that we condone uh, rioting or anything like that. And, but but we we certainly don't condone, um, you know, our youth being harassed and and then brutalized. You don't have to have law enforcement absent of having your civil rights you know you can do law enforcement and still maintain people's civil rights law enforcement is not is not practiced the same in Roland Park as it's practiced in um, you know some of our West Baltimore neighborhoods like Sandtown Winchester it's not and if you believe it is you're a fool you know you watch too much damn TV you need to read pick up papers on read, read what's going on find out what's going on and you'll start to understand why we have riots you know and, and things of that nature you know, I'm not saying that I agree with the riots. I'm saying I understand. I get it. I get it. You know, a lot of these kids don't have any hope. 
There's no, you know, the, 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 un, the unemployment rate is, is uh, again, 51.8%, according to the Justice Policy Institute. And a lot of these kids don't have any hope. The only people that they know that, that are making money are, are the hustlers, you know. And they, you know, they, they're, you know, in those neighborhoods. And, and I'm, I, you know, I have an article where they say the state sees a surge in jobs. Okay? And I see we got calls, but um, it says Maryland added 19,300 positions in March. Now. Okay, that that sounds good. If if you're, if I'm just gonna say it like it is, if you're white and you know you have white privilege and you have never been stopped or arrested by the police, that's that's great because you don't have a criminal record. But if you're a black person who's six times more likely, six times more likely to be arrested for drugs, even though we have the same drug usage, or just in some cases, white people use more drugs, you're six times more likely to be arrested for drug possession and things like that, marijuana possession and things of that nature then you're put out of the job market. That's why Michelle Alexander's book, uh, The New Jim Crow, is called The New Jim Crow. It's a way to discriminate against you or, or someone, you know, in your community that may have a nonviolent charge. You know, they just had to be an over, they're in an over-police, almost like a police state. So they're just waiting to spring on them when they do something. Or if you're, if you're standing with Freddie Ray or standing next to Freddie Ray or standing next to somebody that's selling drugs, you can be picked up as a lookout. In those neighborhoods, we don't get that. The older people don't get it. Freddie Gray was, they were saying, "Well, it's Freddie Gray, you know, why, why did he run?" Because, again, in Freddie Gray's neighborhood, if you just stand on a corner, you know, talk to your buddies, you can be picked up as a drug lookout. And Freddie Gray was on was on um, some type of a probation, I believe, and he just just didn't want to go back to jail for for being arrested as a, as a lookout, you know. Um, and, and that's why he, that's why he ran. You know, I would have ran too under those circumstances, and you couldn't tell me I wouldn't. You would have ran. <laughs> and nobody can tell you you wouldn't have ran, you know, because it didn't matter if you had anything or if you did anything. If the police decided to arrest you as a as a drug lookout, was current was which is what commonly happens in those neighborhoods, you would have went to jail, and nobody would have believed you. They would believe police officer, older people. Okay, so I'm sorry, uh, Zach. I was going to say, and um, you know, um, Tommy made the point about uh, Freddie Gray. You know he. At least, um, you know, he didn't know that, you know, his life or his death, um, you know, would lead to all of this, um, you know, all these uh, uh, changes. Um, you know, a lot hasn't changed, which is why um, they are out there protesting. But um, I'm looking at an article from CBSNews.com, um, and at least now um, recruits uh, for the police department have to go um, through mandatory community engagement training and um, they have uh, full-time patrol officers to walk uh, the most crime-ridden neighborhoods um, you know with their new community engagement skills um, and also there's the uh, Maryland legislature, uh, legislature which has passed a police accountability bill and the police cameras and uh, the police cameras are coming that was already going to go into effect but um, you know it's going to accelerate it's going to accelerate they're supposed to um, uh, go into place in May um, and so now with this police accountability bill uh, they're changing policies on how police are hired trained and disciplined and it's going to place a greater emphasis on recruiting for minority communities um, so uh, it's a start I guess yeah yeah um, and and uh, we do need a, like I said policing is not done the same way in Cannes or Fells Point that is done in St. Winchester. Mm -hmm. It's a more softer, softer uh, gentler approach. They go, they, they, they down there to, um, um, they down in, um, well, St. Winchester a lot of times to kick ass. Let me just put it where, where it goes. Yeah. You know, they're not down there to be your friend. They're at war. 
And, um, you know, the, the uh, as Michelle Alexander put it, um, the enemy in this war is clearly defined, is racially defined, as Michelle, um, Professor Michelle Alexander put it in her book, The New Jim Crow, Mass Incarceration, in, in the Age of Colorblindness. Next caller. Okay, we're going to go to Gene. How's it going, Gene? Yeah, hey, pretty Gene. good. Uh, God's always great show. I just want to, you know, how unrealistically we look at, uh, you know, these situations. Now, I'm I'm 70, but I came back from Vietnam and walked right into uh, a situation where, uh, I don't know how to put it, you go to, you know, you're going down the wrong path. Right. Uh, but, but basically, uh, for every 10 or 20 people who use, it has to be a person who serves. And that's, you know what I mean, and that's, to me, that's the, the, uh, tr- the truth of the matter. So, you know, when you look at the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, dr- the negative drug impact that has on the black community and the people who get, uh, you know, the big time, time, et cetera, you know what I mean? Right. It, it, it's, it, it's more complicated than that. So we can't, like you say, we can't point fingers. Um, not only that, not only that, Gene, as we talked about last week, white people not only use more drugs than black people, they um they actually sell more drugs than black people. It's been proven statistically, I, I, and we do the time for it. we do we are arrested six times as much. Exactly, and giving these and, records. And, 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 and though we do hear about uh, you know the, the you know the names that we hear who who were black uh you know uh, selling big time drugs. The the majority of the people, uh when you de- when when drugs are being dealt dealt usually you go to a white person. Right, right. The person. Level. Like upper level of you know, drug Right. That's what little uh, Melvin Williams was saying. He yeah. said he got his drugs. He was the top drug dealer in Baltimore. Hey, but, so he got his, job, his drugs from, from a white man. Exactly. And, well, you know and, what I mean? So, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, we have to be truthful about it. And I think a lot of people don't know about it, so maybe we can educate them. But the other thing, too, is Shoshane. But, uh, Gene, uh, let me mention this. White people sell drugs differently from us. They sell yeah. them indoors. We sell them outdoors, yeah, and exactly. that's why. So, you know what I mean? So, like you, could go to, you could go to Baltimore County. And uh, Gene, you have to conclude. We got to wrap the show. Okay, that's what I think. Uh, Stevenson, her her thing on, uh, you know, um, you know Morgan being taken over by the University of Maryland. Right, right. I didn't know if he had time, but you know, we, yeah, we're about to conclude. We'll check show. it out. But call back next week. Call Thank back you next so week. much for your comment, and we'll yeah, talk about. It. God bless you. All right, God bless you too, sir. Thanks for calling. Appreciate your words. Um, okay, we're about to conclude the show. We had another informative and exciting edition of the Call Tyrone Show. I'm sure you learned something if you uh, were patient enough to sit there and listen. If you want to learn. Listen to our show. You, I guarantee you, every show, you're going to learn something if you did that you didn't know before. Guarantee it. I'll bet money on it. Okay? Okay, so this is the clues, another edition of the Call Tyrone Show. Feel free to tune in next week at 2 o'clock and call in and participate because we appreciate your discussion. And thank you for your time.